Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, I've just returned from the Freedom Convoy 2022 in Ottawa. We'll have a full report, plus a conversation with the spokesperson for the convoy's organizers. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome to The Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. It is Tuesday, February 1st, 2022, and the convoy is still going strong in our nation's capital of Ottawa. I am, as you can probably tell by looking, I am back in London now, back in my home studio after spending a few days up in Ottawa, talking to the people involved in the creation of the convoy. We'll have one of them on the show later on, but more importantly, talking to the people that were there, many of them traveling from all across the country, as far away as British Columbia, as Yellowknife, as South Ottawa, all there because they believed there was something in that convoy that they resonated with, the message of freedom. This show is going to be a bit different than usual programs. I don't really have a structure. I, I was trying before the show to think of, okay, well, what do I want to say? What do I want to do? What am I? And, I, and I've got a couple of clips I'm going to throw to of things that happened. And I, I'm going to talk about the bigger picture, though. And I'm going to just intersperse that with little commentaries and observations of, of things that I experienced and things I felt. And more importantly, things that are just so fundamentally wrong about the mainstream media's characterization and the mainstream media's depiction of this. This was a peaceful protest. It was a peaceful demonstration. It was a peaceful convoy. This was an example of people peacefully gathering in their nation's capital to say we've had enough. And much as we've talked about the genesis of the convoy, which was obviously resisting the vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers, it grew to be so much more than that. And we were talking about this a little bit last week as the convoy was heading to Ottawa, the importance of understanding exactly what it is people were fighting for. And it really has become, and the organizer, Benjamin Dichter, was speaking at a press conference and he said that it was really about ending all COVID restrictions, federal and provincial, and returning to life circa 2019. And there's something very pure in that desire. And in a lot of ways, the protests, the rallies became a signal to a lot of people of a tide that is very much turning. And I want to point out some stats on this because last week there was that poll or it was actually earlier this week or whatever it was that said one in five people would never be comfortable living without masks or vaccine mandates. One in five. Now, that may be a minority, but that's a pretty scary minority. If 20% of the population was saying that, you know what, I always want to have a mask mandate in place. I always want a vaccine mandate. 20% of people that were very firmly believing that this life that we're living now should be the new normal. But then we yesterday had a poll that showed a bit of movement in this. This is a poll taken January 27th and 28th, which means it was taken last week, but while the convoy was gradually becoming the big story of the country. And this poll found that 54% of people in this country believe that COVID-19 restrictions should end. This was an Angus Reid poll, reputable polling firm. 54% said it's time to end restrictions and, quote, let people self-isolate if they are at risk. 
So moving towards a personal responsibility approach. This is not pandemic denial. This is not saying COVID doesn't exist. It's not saying that we are going to just dig our heads in the sand and pretend that all of these things that do happen and affect certain people are... are no, it's not about that. It's about saying that we should let individual people make their own choices. And that's what this is about. It's not about vaccination. It is about vaccine mandates and within that lockdowns. And it was so rich to hear all the politicians who have been pushing back against this convoy say, oh, well, the convoy is being disrespectful to local businesses in Ottawa because they aren't able to open. Are you frigging kidding me? The, the governments that have been shutting down businesses for much of the last two years are concerned about the effect on business of a group of people that are ready to patronize businesses. Any place that was open, this was fascinating. In Ottawa, a lot of places did shut down. But anyone that was open was busy from morning to night the entire day. So the convoy is actually a blessing to businesses. I was staying at a hotel a couple of blocks from Parliament Hill. It was full for the first time in two years. And that was every hotel. Every hotel was just filled right up, which is not something that downtown Ottawa has had in the last two years. People were skating on the canal. People were walking the streets. People were having a grand old time. And again, I'm not saying there hasn't been disruption. And obviously, that's the point of the blockade. They're trying to disrupt. They've tried to and have succeeded in shutting down Wellington Street. But the point that I'm making is that this is not something that we can believe anyone is genuinely concerned about. They're just throwing up all of these situations where they want to pretend they're concerned. They want to pretend that, oh, we're just out for the poor business owners on Elgin Street or whatever the case may be. No, what they are is just trying to come up with ways that they can wedge Canadians against the convoy when Canadians are by and large supporting the convoy. I do not consider myself a celebrity by any stretch. I do not. I am not a celebrity. I just have this job where I get to talk about things that I care about, and I get to hear from people and talk to great people across this country about the things that they care about. The number of people that have reached out to me who I, in some cases, I may be met 10 years ago for something that are saying, oh my goodness, I just saw your show. I'm just learning of all this stuff. I just saw this thing. It's great. People that are following me on Instagram where I just post like food pictures and you know pre-2020 travel pictures that are reaching out saying, yeah, this is great. I just saw these tweets of yours. I just saw this show segment. I just saw this interview you did. And people are doing this all because of the convoy. The convoy is breaking into circles that were not or that are closed off traditionally to conservative politics, and I'd say to politics in general. And people are waking up and saying, you know what, I'm actually wanting to be engaged. Originally, there were questions, and I still haven't gotten a definitive count from anyone. The organizers of the convoy didn't want to give a count. The police haven't given a count. So I don't know how many people were there on the weekend. But originally, what I thought was going to happen was you'd have an influx of people on the Saturday, a lot of them would be there on the Sunday, and then it would kind of dissipate. But it went the other way. People kept coming, because when people saw the footage of Saturday, they were thinking, oh my goodness, I, I want to be there. And I had messages from people that were, like, all day Sunday, that were, I was, like, being the Ottawa tourism liaison, because people were emailing me saying, yeah, is it still going on? Can I still come? Can I still get in? How do I get there? What's the best way? And people were seeing the coverage and being like, I want to be there. I want to be a part of this. And 
when I walked around, it was minus 20, I think, at a lot of points. And I, like, my wife, lovely, caring woman that she is, made sure I was, like, adequately equipped for it. Because knowing me, I just would have, like, gone out with wearing this or something. But she, you know, we made sure I had, like, you know, warm clothing. And, and I'm glad because we were out for long periods of time. My hand was getting frostbitten from the microphone in any interview you see of mine where I wasn't wearing gloves. But unfortunately, you can't turn the mic on or off without gloves. So I know, first world problems. The whole, it's the price of free. Freedom. The whole point is, it was freezing and people were still out there. People were tailgating on the backs of their trucks. People were, were playing music. I didn't always agree with the choice of music. I was in a hotel that was right on Albert Street where a lot of the trucks were, were going around. And at one point, I was trying to get to sleep and they had played Mambo Number no. 5 three times in the course of an hour. Again, not always my choice of soundtrack, but it was a big old party. Everyone was having a great time, and they are continuing to. What's going to happen in the future, I don't know. There have been a lot of people that have been talking about, especially Ottawa City Councillors, wanting to get in there and start forcibly removing it. But the question is, how do you intend to do it? I know it's possible to tow semis. It's possible to tow tractor trailers, but it's not easy. Certainly not when they are parked bumper to bumper and there are hundreds of them. So how are they going to tow them? Where are they going to take them? And what's going to happen if they start to try that? Because I'm convinced that once they start going in there trying to tow things, people are going to be lining the streets to prevent that from happening. I'm not encouraging that. I'm just making, I think, a, a fair statement. So in the time it would take police to clear that out, people would, would swarm on Ottawa and prevent them from being able to easily do that, and then you've got a riot on your hands. And this has been peaceful. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The Canadian press ran this asinine story that I have to share because the headline is so rich. Calling Ottawa protests peaceful downplays non-violent dangers, critics say. So I, I said last week, and I wrote a newsletter about this, that the critics of the convoy want it to be violent because they want to delegitimize it. No greater proof of that than this story. They're saying, well, okay, fine, it wasn't violent, but it's still dangerous. It's still dangerous, so don't call it a peaceful protest. And this is the line that Justin Trudeau has taken. I don't know if you caught his press conference yesterday, but he decided to go on a warpath about this and take aim at everyone, defining them based on a couple of isolated examples. Here's what he said. As my friend Erwin Kotler said on Saturday, freedom of expression, assembly, and association are cornerstones of democracy, but Nazi symbolism, racist imagery, and desecration of war memorials are not. It is an insult to memory and truth. Hate can never be the answer. Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and, frankly, disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I want to be very clear. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. Not a in that entire press conference, not a single example of I understand their anger or I sympathize or you know I get their point but I disagree. None of that. 
It was they're racist, they're hateful, they're anti-science, they're big, whatever the case is, he was throwing every name at them. Because that's the way that Justin Trudeau views ordinary, in many cases, working class people who are rising up to say, we believe in freedom. You don't belong in the Canadian society that Justin Trudeau wants. And legitimately, I've had a couple of people in law enforcement that I've spoken to in the last 12 hours, the last maybe 18 hours, who have said that they believe the risk of violence only came when Justin Trudeau had that statement, had that press conference. They believe that raised the temperature that the liberals have been pretending they want to take down, to so-called de-escalate. So he's ratcheted up his rhetoric. He's decided to take aim at all of them and say that every single one of these people here, oh yeah, they're just swastika-waving, knuckle-dragging, Confederate flag-waving racist. So let's talk about those incidents, because I, as you may have seen, Candace Malcolm launched an initiative at True North where she ponied up $1,000 to anyone who could help identify that single guy waving a Nazi flag. Other people decided to match that and add in money of their own, and now I think it's up to $6,500. I, I don't know if anyone's claimed it, but or has tried to claim it, but as far as I know, we have no more information than we did when we first saw that picture. Candace sent me a message on the weekend and said, Andrew, I, I want you to you know, interview anyone that has any of these signs or flags that are really concerning. And I, I went back to her and I said, I, I'd love to, but I can't find any of them. I can't find any of them. I'm walking around with a cameraman and a French colleague of ours uh, who has just started with True North and is doing some tremendous work. And I, we were walking around for hours a day, every day, and didn't see any of this stuff. We saw lots of signs that you might have thought, okay, I wouldn't say that. But we didn't see this Nazi symbolism that you'd think uh, by paying attention to certain mainstream media coverage was the norm. Didn't see it. Didn't see any Confederate flags. I would have happily interviewed these people and found out what they were all about. Are they there because they are genuine believers in those ideologies or are they there because they're trying to undermine? Either is possible. I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying that in a grassroots movement of thousands of people, a Nazi didn't show up. I'm also not saying that in a grassroots movement of thousands of people, someone who wanted to undermine that movement by pretending to be a Nazi showed up. That is entirely possible. Either one of those could have happened. But here's the thing. Those are not at all, they're not even close to representing the majority or even a sizable contingent in a minority. They are literally outliers literally outliers. I have seen one Confederate flag, and if you watch the video, everyone else around that guy wanted nothing to do with it and ended up forcing him out. And if you look at the Nazi flag, he was far removed from the crowd because he would not have been welcomed in that crowd. These are very important realities. When reports have come out about cars parking on the war memorial, they were swiftly removed, and then volunteers from the convoy decided to stand guard to protect it. When the Terry Fox statue was adorned with removable objects, they were removed eventually after media coverage, and then everyone started tidying up. You can see it on video. They started tidying up the Terry Fox statue. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier as well, protected by people so that things that did happen and were caught on video didn't happen again. The question is what you do about these things. And everyone on Instagram and Twitter that's trying to criticize the rally and criticize the convoy is saying, well, all of these people uh, should be condemned. They have been. They've been condemned swiftly and vigorously. 
before Justin Trudeau did. I mean, the Nazi flag, the Confederate flag, all of that nonsense, that was criticized before Justin Trudeau came out. And he knew that, but he didn't care because he's decided to vilify. So what we have happening in Ottawa right now is something quite spectacular. And more importantly, it is something that is becoming more mainstream. You'll have noted I'm not talking about Aaron O'Toole's leadership right now. There's a, there's a significant reason for that, because first off, it's a pre-recorded show, and who knows, with stuff like that, anytime you say something, it's going to change after you're done recording. But also, I'm trying to not make this about Aaron O'Toole and about the leadership. I want to make this about the groundswell of support we've seen. There were some politicians that were very strong leaders on this. We had a number of conservative MPPs, uh, the PPC leader Maxime Bernier. We had uh, Ontario provincial politicians like Derek Sloan and Jim Carahalios and Randy Hillier that were there. So there were politicians represented, but it was interesting to see the mainstreaming over the course of the week of the view that the convoy was putting forth. One interview I did that has gotten a lot of traction, I'm going to play it for you now if you haven't seen it, is an interview with Leslie Lewis. Now, I, I was recording what's called a stand-up, which is just standing up in front of the camera and talking about what's happening, and I saw her walking by, and I like quickly just like darted after her. We didn't schedule this or anything, but she ended up making a lot of comments in just a few minutes that truly resonated with people, again, outside of conventional political circles. Take a look. So what brings you out to Ottawa? I know you work here, but specifically on this day, why are you on Parliament Hill? Why wouldn't I be? This is democracy. This is what democracy is all about. People believe that the government has overstepped with mandates and they are here to exercise their democratic right. We give, people give the government the power to act in accordance with their values. The government does not the government does not have any independent power. It is us that confer the power on the government. And where they overstep, the people have a right to voice their opinions. What we've seen in the last year with demonization of people turning people against each other, the hatred that has been spewed from the highest levels is completely unacceptable. And the people have had enough. And so they're here to voice their opinions. And I support any peaceful uh, act of democracy. And all I've seen here is loving, law-abiding Canadians expressing their voice, which they're entitled to do. So why wouldn't I be here, Andrew? Do you feel like the Conservatives have done an adequate job at representing these people throughout the pandemic in the last couple of years, or even in the time that you've been in office the last few months? Well, I've always spoken out. You've seen that I've always spoken out from the very beginning about things that concerned my constituents. I will always be a voice for my constituents, and I will never be silent. So I believe that that MPs have said and acted in accordance with the voices of their constituents, yes. For a lot of people, this is not about whether you're pro or anti-vaccination. It's about a more fundamental message, which is about government overreach. Is that resonating with what you're hearing from your constituents on the ground? Absolutely. There are, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, it's about the mandates and whether or not these mandates are fair, whether they... Um, they adhere to a public health principle because that's what we're concerned about. We want everybody to be safe. We want people who are able to be vaccinated to ex exercise informed consent. That's what, that's what we're concerned about. So it's not about whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. It's about government overreach. I, I loved her answer to my first question. Why are you here? Why wouldn't I be? Why wouldn't I be? That's the attitude. 
Because in politics, it's easy to talk about all the reasons not to do something. Of Oh, well, you know, there might be someone with a flag. There might be someone here. And Michael Cooper got saddled with this. This is a conservative member of parliament. I also spoke to him as well because I ran into him when he was out handing out coffee to convoy protesters. And unbeknownst to me at the time, just a couple hours earlier, CBC had done an interview with him in which someone behind him had a Canadian flag on which they had drawn a swastika. Now, I have no time for people that deface a Canadian flag, but in this particular case, and I, I hate when you have to go down the road of like defending a swastika, which I'm not at all doing, but in this case, it was someone who was claiming that Canada is a Nazi country, it looked like, not someone that was themselves a Nazi, but who knows and who cares? The point is, it was in the background, nothing to do with Michael Cooper. CBC conveniently let this shot go on, and then a Liberal MP took a screenshot and and this became the story. Even though, as Garnet Jenis pointed out on Twitter, Justin Trudeau has given speeches in which there has been a Canadian flag with a swastika behind him, and the mainstream media did not nearly summon the same outrage as it did for Michael Cooper being in a very similar space, a very similar incident. So let's stop defining the majority based on not just a minority, but genuine fringe outliers. And it's hilarious. Justin Trudeau talks about the fringe minority with unacceptable views. That's how he defined this group. That's how he characterized this group. The fringe minority with unacceptable views. Well, it was proving that it wasn't all that fringe. And quite frankly, if 54% of Canadians are on board with ending all restrictions, it's not that much of a minority either. The liberal government is the fringe minority here. It's the liberals who are proving that they are out of touch with a growing movement across this country that has literally landed up on their front doorstep and to which they have no interest in engaging. The message that the liberals have given is that you do not belong here. You don't belong here at all. And I'm also going to play a clip of a brief interview I did with PPC leader Maxime Bernier because he touched on something that was very important as well, which was what makes politicians respond? He said politicians have, in, over the last two years, got us in this mess. What makes him think this might change now? This was our conversation. Maxime, bonjour. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Nice. Do you have a minute for True North? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, so let's start. Why do you think there are so many people here on this convoy and here in Ottawa today? Because they're fed up. <laughs> they want to regain their freedoms. That's why. And, you know, we are not alone. And I believe that more people will come tomorrow, will come Monday. And a lot of people are looking at us in the, uh, at home. And what the message for them is, we are there. You must have the courage of your conviction. The end is coming. And I want to thank the truckers for that. The courageous truckers that decided enough is enough. There's no logic. There's no common sense. There's no science under these draconian measures. And that must end. And uh, they are giving hope. The truckers are giving hope to thousands of Canadians that the end is coming. You've said that the Liberals, the NDP, the Conservatives, they're all the same. So what motivation is there for anyone in Parliament to listen if they've already been bringing us into the things that people are here protesting? Yeah, I believe that, you know, they, they don't want to be here and, and meet us and have a discussion with us about that because there's no logic, there's no science uh, uh, with, beside what they're doing. So my message for them is, you know, listen to your people. Don't play that game of division and segregation. 
if you are a real leader, you must unite everybody, every Canadian. And we want that. We want to unite everybody under the Freedom Umbrella. So I hope that this rally, I, want, I don't want to call it a protest. Look, it's a rally. People have fun here. This rally, I hope that will be the, 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 the most important rally that we had the last two years. As you know, I did a lot of rallies all across the country, but this one is special because we know that we have a momentum right now. And I believe that momentum will be the event that will bring some common sense to our establishment politicians. If not, the PPC will always be there to tell them that they must respect their people. And enough is enough. <laughs> merci, Maxime. Merci, merci beaucoup. I should say that we did a lot of interviews, and I don't have time to put them all in this show, but certainly we're going to have more of them coming out on True North's social media pages and on this show in the days to come. We don't know how long this convoy is going to last. The organizers were saying it could be years. At least that's what they're uh, arguing their position for. Hopefully there won't be a need for it for years. That's the bigger question, is that this could end right now if the federal government were to come out and say, you know what? We're declaring COVID over insofar as the need to restrict it. We're doing the Denmark thing. We're doing the UK thing. We're doing the Ireland thing. Finland as well now. The government could do that. And all these trucks would go home. But that's not happening. They're doubling down and instead trying to drive a wedge between Canadians and those in the convoy. But it just isn't working. It just isn't working. The support that this movement... I mean, just if you want to do something fun here, go to Twitter and search for the word honk. <laughs> the word honk. And just see how many people are tweeting the word honk. Because if you can't toot your horn all day, you can tweet the word honk, evidently. And that's what people are doing in a lot of cases to show their support for this. So I remain... Last week I said I was getting more and more optimistic. I remain optimistic. I remain hopeful. And it was interesting as well. I, I want to play, I, I ran into a lot of Indigenous people. Now, I am not an expert in Indigenous issues at all. But I was fascinated to see the sheer volume of Indigenous representation at this. And, and by representation, I, I don't mean organized groups. There were some of them, but just individual Indigenous people, some of which were more notably Indigenous because they were partaking in their customs, like using drums and feathers and, and traditional garb. And there was this one group that I spoke to that I, I want to share a, a little bit of the conversation with because they said that they were there for freedom. And they have their own reason to want freedom and their own connections to the issue. But it was quite a, a moving moment. Take a look. So uh, we'll start with an easy one. Uh, where are you guys from? Curve Lake First Nation. And what brings you out here today? To support our truckers for our freedoms, freedom. our rights. Yeah. Our right to choice. Yeah, our right to choice. Now the message that uh, the federal government has given here is that the people here are white supremacist racists. <laughs> Now, what's your response to that? Hell no! Hell no! Hell no! Hell no. All peace and love out here! Absolutely! Nobody's been disrespectful no. at all. You got no. people walking around picking up garbage that's on the ground. Yeah. You get Everybody's to see smiles. Fun smiling, enjoying seeing people's yeah. faces. Yeah, no matter what race, no matter what anything, they're coming together. Not just one race here. We're all united. And that was just one of many conversations. People from Alberta, from BC, from Quebec. Uh, my colleague Elie, who is much more fluent in French than I am, spoke to some of the French speakers there, the Quebecers. And they found that there was a, a massive, massive reason 
to be there because of how bad the restrictions have gotten in Quebec. So this is my theory because people have asked me in the past how I can be more optimistic or if I'm optimistic. And I say, the only thing that gives me optimism is that government will push so far that it triggers a backlash. And the Quebec support for the convoy proves that. The Quebec support for the convoy proves that because the Quebecois have been pushed. The unvaccinated in Quebec can't even go grocery shopping. They can't do all of these things that are part of being in a free society. And for them, they're saying, okay, we've had enough. And that's proof that if the government pokes the bear, the bear will bite back. But it did it in a very peaceful way. We'll have lots more on the next show this week. But first, I want to talk to one of the people involved and instrumental in putting this all together. That's coming up here on The Andrew Lawton Show. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to The Andrew Lawton Show. Welcome back to The Andrew Lawton Show. Well, as you saw in the first segment there, spoke to a lot of people when I was in Ottawa for the Freedom Convoy. And if, as it sounds like, this is something that's going to be there for the long haul, I will certainly be back. But one person I wanted to bring into this discussion is Benjamin Dichter, who I've crossed paths with a number of times over the years as an organizer in the conservative movement and formerly a conservative party of Canada candidate as well. And he has been putting a lot of this together. He's been a spokesperson spokesperson for it, although as he, he said, uh, it's it's difficult to make this about a single organizer because of how many people are involved. Uh, Benjamin Dichter, good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me on, man. So as someone who's organized things before, the big challenge is that you can put all these efforts in place. You never really know what's going to happen until it happens. So when you kind of looked out your window on Saturday, you walked out on the streets, did you think it would be as big as it was? Uh, we had an idea that it would be big uh, before we got there. And that's where the growing pains uh, set in because we initially thought it was going to be small. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, Elon Musk is retweeting us and then it goes global and Jordan Peterson is all over us. So the momentum that we carried just went parabolic. And that just for any sort of organizational structure, that becomes very difficult to deal with. And then the bottlenecks set in because you've created these, uh, these backlogs, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Let's talk about the organizational aspect of this, because it's a grassroots movement by and large, but there's also been a fair bit of coordination. So how much is just people that are saying, yeah, I support you, that are showing up in Ottawa versus stuff that you and, and the people you are working with are, are doing and managing along the way? Uh, it started with a core team in Alberta. I joined very early. I think the first day after they started, 24 hours or so, maybe four, maybe 48 hours is when I was called in. And, you know, you, you just have more people start tacking on. And then we the division of labor, we do the best that we can. But unlike a typical organizational structure where everybody's in the office and you can say, okay, let's put this person on the board, that person on the board. Everybody's in a truck. Everybody's mobile. <laughs> And not always with cell reception. <laughs> Most of the time, not. So I'm trying to get a hold of Tamara. I can't get a hold of her for two, three hours. I send her a text message. We're in the middle of a conversation. It drops. So that just became a nightmare. And that's why when we got to Ottawa, all of these conversations and you know to-do lists that I had and other people, we just had this mess of things, 50 people in a room uh, trying to figure out, okay, Who's done what? Who hasn't done what? Where are the trucks? We still don't know how many trucks are there. There's parking lots and farmer's fields full of trucks right now. 
outside of Ottawa that can't get in the city on top of everybody that's in, in the city. And now we have a convoy of Americans that are on the Montana-Alberta uh, border, border that it's taking hours and hours to process them, and they're coming here. So let me ask you what you're after here, because originally a lot of people were positioning this as being just about the cross-border trucker mandate, which was certainly a very, I I think that was a catalytic thing. I I think it certainly galvanized this. But you said at a press conference on Sunday that we'll talk about in a moment that you're really seeking the end of all COVID restrictions, federal and provincial. So you want Canada to do the Denmark, the UK, the Ireland thing. Is that a, a fair characterization? 100%. So, you know, our message was end the mandates and the passport. But the idea is that would get us back to life. Because once you do that, then the momentum is just to carry on and go back to life as normal, you know, take the the face diapers off and all of that nonsense, all of that. I mean, people don't have, I think, the the will to keep on this way. And once they realize, okay, the government's starting to, to, to remove all these restrictions, the rest will fall. Let's talk about the mask thing here, because I, I've never been one of these people that has made a point of, of going into stores without a mask. And my view on this is that my grievance is with the government, not the stores. And I, I know that there have been over the last two years, individual confrontations of, of people that won't wear a mask and, and whatever the case may be, that has happened. There, There's value in numbers, because I mentioned on Twitter, and I think it was like one of my most popular tweets of the weekend, that the mask mandate in Ottawa was basically dead. Because you have people that are going into hotels, to the restaurants that are open to stores, not wearing masks, and businesses have either decided that it's not worth trying to enforce or they don't care. So that's just one example of how a group of people saying we are going to be civilly disobedient, as the term goes, can change things. And then I noted, and you shared this with me, there's a story in the National Post this morning, health officials are hinting at ending COVID restrictions with a caveat and not because of the truckers. Well... When we see public opinion lining up behind the truckers and then also a shift in the past week in public opinion for ending restrictions, I don't think you can say this isn't the truckers that had a huge role in this. Uh, Agreed. Uh, Your first comment about the mask is interesting. Two weeks ago, I go around without a mask everywhere. I'm polite. And if they ask me to put on a mask, I always have it on me. Say, oh, I forgot. Because the more we force people to ask us, the more they'll get tired of asking people and it'll just end. So two weeks ago, I went into my local coffee shop. I start most of my mornings, walked in without a mask as usual. They all know me. Hey, how are you? The owner, whatever. And some woman comes up to me and she says, you're not wearing a mask. And then she saw my face turn as I looked down at her and she said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, um, I don't want to wear the mask. How do you do it? I said, just take it off. Take it off. I said, you would be surprised how many times I'm waiting in line in a business or whatever. I don't have a mask. I sit there for a minute, two minutes, and everyone else slowly start taking their masks off. Hmm. Right. And that's essentially what this convoy is. uh, That's the spirit of this convoy. So what is it that you're thinking is going to happen now? Because as I mentioned earlier in the show, and as you're no doubt aware, Justin Trudeau has not even done the feigned sympathy that I expected of, well, I understand the anger. I thought he would do some patronizing thing. No, he's just gone right to escalating. Oh, that's exactly what I thought he would do. I actually put a prediction, I put in Twitter two hours before, prediction, Prime Minister, Prime Minister Diversity Blackface is going to call everyone a racist, a neo-Nazi, unacceptable, and he's going to double down because that's what extremists do. They have a binary worldview 
and they have one strategy. And I hear from people um, in Ottawa who are in the know are in contact with some people in the Liberal parties, and I do have some contacts, that the problem is Justin Trudeau himself, if he was there, he was the one pushing to agitate the truckers. He wants to see violence, which I thought sho was shocking. And I was told, yeah, the, the other people in the party are Justin, that, that's not what we want to do. Why don't you just go on vacation right now and we'll deal with this strategically. We're going to have a political solution to this. So that gives you the nature of, of what, what he feels, which is quite scary. You've said that you have enough uh, fuel, money, food that you could keep this going. Not you, but you as the, the movement keep this going for years. Now, obviously, I hope there's no need to do that. I mean, my hope would be that uh, rather swiftly, a lot of these measures that we've been talking about are, are gone. But is that the plan that these trucks will be there for as long as it takes until every last COVID restriction is gone? Yep. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> Simple answer. Um I mean, I was trying to illustrate the point that A, we're not backing down and B, we do have the ability to do that. We have more than enough money to cover the costs. We have uh, enough, more than enough truckers and trucks that are willing to do it in the long haul. And one of the videos I posted, somebody in the US uh, sent it. I mean, it's, it's amateur stuff for any trucker, but for average people to know. If they just disable the brake chambers, just take their slack adjustment screws out, remove them and put them in their pocket, throw them away, lock it in a safe in their truck, that truck can't be towed. It's not going anywhere. And another uh, video from one of the truckers he just posted this morning, uh, some woman <laughs> uh, explained to this trucker that uh, when the city was calling the tow trucks in the neighborhood and in neighboring Quebec, to say we want to bring some, uh, we need a you know a fleet of tow trucks to come into Ottawa. The response from the tow truck companies were, "Oh, we all have COVID. Sorry." <laughs> great. So, so there's some solidarity there. It's that it's that strike breaking mentality of I, I don't want to go against the brotherhood now, which is interesting because of how much the media has tried to paint the narrative that this is not representative of the trucking industry. That's been the thing of oh, these aren't real truckers. Yeah, I love how we, we define the trucking industry by trucking lobbyists. Trucking lobbyists are yeah. not inside a truck. They're uh, usually part of the Liberal Party, as we see by the donations by the Trucking Association. Um, so that's just an offshoot of the Liberal Party. They're, they're, they're getting lambasted online by people within the industry who are very, very livid with that organization. I have a feeling the woman who is running it is not going to be there for very much longer. It's quite an embarrassing uh, organization at this point. Let me ask you, uh, Benjamin, about the mainstream media's uh, most reviled press conference in the history of press conferences. This is Sunday. I was invited, a number of other independent journalists, and, and some journalists from mainstream publications were invited. Uh, there wasn't a time cap. It wasn't one question, one follow-up. It was almost like a roundtable format of, of just ask you and, and your co-organizers, whatever. But you made the decision, which I didn't realize at, at the time until I got there, that you were only going to invite independent media and specifically you said there had been a couple of outlets that you had banned i think cbc and, and the toronto star and, and obviously this went over very well online with some people and, and very poorly with other people mainly the mainstream media reporters that were forced to just get the news from my twitter feed and key and bexty's video <laughs> stream but 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 in all seriousness do you not believe that you should have been speaking to those people and, and should have been confronting a, a lot of what you say are the falsehoods head on 
Absolutely not, because they're not journalists, they're activists. And why do we need activists that are going to come into the room, take up half the floor space, and shout uh, epithets and smears at us? That's not a conversation, that's not a dialogue, and that doesn't help you and the general public to find out what's truly going on. It's just disruptors, and we didn't need the disruptors. And we could see, um, I mean, that was one part of it, but we could also see online the, the, the very direct fake news stories that were being published by the Toronto Star and CBC News. Just complete falsehoods, you know, of our, our GoFundMe being um, frozen because of extremism and radicalization. And then the cartoon that uh, Jordan Peterson uh, retweeted that Toronto Star put, like that is Maoist level of propaganda. It's disgusting. That has no place. Those sorts of unacceptable opinions have no place in a news conference, if that makes sense. It does. So obviously this is uh, something that we, as we've talked about, is going to be going on for the long haul. You're there for the long haul as well. What's next? What's it we should be watching out for this week? Well, now is the waiting game and they're going to learn that trucks, truckers are quite intelligent people. They have street smarts. They're very patient because truckers, I mean, we do spend a lot of time waiting at calls and stuff. So we're just going to play this game of chess and we're going to sit here and wait. And at some point, the government's going to have absolutely no choice but to either deal with us or decide we're going to uh, drop the mandates that we're going to follow the lead of Denmark, the United Kingdom, and other countries that have announced that they're removing the restrictions, which is what I protect they're going to do. I mean, many politicians, especially our ones in, in uh, government right now, they do tend to take the easy way. And the easy way for them is just to come up with that. They're trying to figure out the spin for that presser that makes them look good, right? Which is very difficult right now. And the longer they wait, the more difficult it's going to become. So I predict they're going to do an about face and try to claim victory that, well, now we have the softer variants, the Omicron, people aren't dying from it. It's because of our restrictions that we saved all of you. We've heard Canadians, we love Canadians. We're gonna drop everything and, uh, and move on. And they'll try to claim victory. Nobody will believe it. And then they'll move on to the next catastrophe. Well, I hope to be back in Ottawa soon. It was quite a uh, sight to behold. And I'm glad I was able to uh, take part in that inaugural weekend of it. Benjamin Dichter, good to talk to you again. Thanks for coming on today. We are tentatively looking at a second press conference this weekend, so I will uh, inform those of you in the media and of the details, and we'll talk then. Duly noted. Thanks a lot, sir. Bye. Benjamin Dichter, spokesperson for the Freedom Convoy 2022. And thank you very much to all of you for tuning in and sending your messages of support and also your contributions to send our crew to Ottawa and keep our continued coverage going. It's very much appreciated. As I mentioned, if this keeps going on, I may have to go back. Hopefully the weather will be a bit warmer when we do. But uh, these are the things we endure to get the story. We've got to wrap things up there. My thanks to all of you. We'll talk to you in a couple days' time with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show, here on True North. This is The Andrew Lawton Show. Thank you, God bless, and good day. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.